Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Scribes Journey podcast, where stories begin. I am one of your co-hosts, Travis J. Croken, the Calm Scribe. I am L.J. Stanton, the Pedantic Scribe. And I am T.R. Albi, the Oddball Scribe. How is everyone doing tonight? I got to see my book on a bookstore shelf that I wasn't expecting, so I am oh, doing awesome. That is pretty amazing. I always, it's always interesting when you see like authors and they, when they first time they see a book on the bookshelf, like, you know, you're running through an airport and I'm like, oh, wait, there's my book. But that is pretty cool. I'm, I'm happy for you. It was exciting. Yeah. It was via a bookshop's TikTok and I was just like watching it and I did the, wait, 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 hold up. I need to like go back. That's my book in a facing. What? That's my book. <laughs> That's so it's very exciting. Congratulations. That's pretty awesome. And I, I'm doing okay. It's hot, but we're, we're getting through it and trying not to melt. Well, I'm glad to see you're both doing very well. I'm doing fantastic as well. It's been a great day. It's been a busy day. So it's fantastic that you found your book in a bookstore, LJ. That's great. And that's a big thing. If you see any of our books in any bookstores, let us know on social media. That would be a fantastic Yes. Thing. Take pictures. Yes. I want to see it. <laughs> if you see one of my books in the bookstore, then you've gone to the future. Martin Which is Clark. excellent. And then you still tag us on social media. Right. And then you let me know what you did to get to the future, because I would like to patent that. Mm -hmm. So I can come back and get that book. It's a lot of Back to Future references, so I can go make some sports bets and maybe the lotto. Or you go to the future, you get your book, you bring it back with you so you know exactly how to then write it so you can just write it in one go. But then there's the chicken and the egg of was the book written before you wrote the book or did the book write itself by coming and calling you from the future? We're, just, we're getting wow. into it now. Theoretical here. I yeah. mean, if, yeah. wow. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this. Quantum string theory. That's where yeah. we go now. Exactly. Congratulations. Right. This is now a science podcast. Um, but we are actually here to talk about revisions. And before we get into revisions, let's take a quick look at what we did with the book of the month last month. So the book of the month that we recommended for last month was Murder Your Darlings by Roy Peter Clark. And it's not necessarily a book just about revisions, but it's a book about writing. And he does discuss a lot of revisions and things like that within it. And I actually had the honor of meeting this gentleman and being in on a lecture with him and asking questions and talking to him about things. There's a lot of really good tips. So some of the key points that I really like that I pulled out from it is write free, then revise, and then focus on your structure and form after. This comes into revision and actually does make a lot of sense. And we're going to discuss that a little bit more today. Because with the other thing that he talks about is when you're doing the revision, you lop off the big branches, lop off the chunks that don't fit the big pieces, you're moving them around. And then when you get closer to your final revisions is when you're going in and doing the fine trimming, the tweaking, the cutting the leaves and things like that, and making sure it looks nice and pretty and is completed. But we're going to be looking at lopping off the big branches and after your first draft, your main revisions and what goes on from there. Because everybody does these revisions. You have to. It doesn't matter how good an author you are. No one writes a draft and then is done. There's a really good quote that's been going around and I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it up with me. But it's from Neil Gaiman talking about the fact that, you know, the first draft, you're just writing down the story. And then the second draft is making it look like you knew what you were doing. And that's basically the steps to drafting versus then revising is revising is part of the alchemy that makes your book into a book. 
but you are going to have to murder your darlings. And darlings aren't always characters. They can be favorite uh, sentences or styles. And that's the thing you're really having to look at when you have your pruners out for your manuscript is deciding what here serves the story, what needs to be expanded upon, what needs to be chopped up. And sometimes it's entire scenes. Mm -hmm. It can be very painful to go through this process. And that's what we're here to discuss on how to do it and to keep an open mind for it. Um, a lot of battles happen with editors over this kind of thing. So what is revising? And when does it happen? Yeah. Always before your beta readers and always before your editor. This is something that as someone who does some dev edits for people, you don't want to be handing a manuscript that is fresh off the presses to your editor or to your beta readers, because there's always something that you should have caught before you hand it over to them, whether it's you renamed a character halfway through and you forgot to control F and fix it, <laughs> or continuity problems that if you'd reread your manuscript, you would have found any of those kinds of things. You want the obvious errors to be handled before it goes to any professional. It saves you money and it saves the professional's time. Yeah, and this is this is the exact spot right now that I'm in with my scribe's journey because, you know, I've written a book, I've done some preliminary edits to it, you know, worked on the grammar and uh, went through it with, you know, a fine tooth comb, trying to identify the spots that worked and did not work. You're only wasting your beta reader's time and your editor's time and your money, right? Especially if you have to pay an editor or pay beta readers by giving them something that hasn't been revised and looked at to the point where it's at least presentable. That's exactly it. And that's the big thing is there's two types of readers. There's the alpha reader and there's the beta reader. The alpha reader is when you've done a rough draft, maybe your first revision, second revision, the story is still really rough in what it's doing and where its positioning is. And you're not quite sure where you want to take it or if you're taking it in the right direction. Then you bring in alpha readers and they look at it and they're expecting a diamond in the rough, an unfinished story with a lot of problems. And they're just there to kind of give you a little bit of guidance behind the scenes. Your beta readers are expecting a pretty well polished book, not completely done, not finished, not fully edited. There's still can be mistakes and things in it, but the big pieces should be moved around. Everything should be in play and in place where it needs to be for your story as you're moving forward. Because what ends up happening is if you send a story that's not revised enough to your beta readers, then to your editors, especially your editor, it's going to come back and they're going to say, you need to cut off this, you need to change this, you need to move these big pieces around. Then you've wasted all the time of your beta readers because it's no longer the same story that they've read. Now they have to go back and they have to read it again. And you have to send it to your editor and have your editor edit the story again. So the key thing is, is to go through revisions. And it's not to say that those things aren't going to happen. They may still happen, but there's a less chance of them happening. If you've taken the time for myself, I have read my story minimum five times before I've sent it off to anyone because I have gone through writing it, revising it, more revising it, some edits to get it into a comfortable place. So I know the story pretty well before I've got it sent off to anyone else to take a look at it. And that was going to be one of my questions, actually, because, again, I'm still in this part in this phase of revising this, right? How many times do you feel personally? Because I guess it depends on the person, right? When you're comfortable to send that off. I haven't figured that number out for myself yet, but I'm curious what you guys. 
I don't know what the particulars of that number is, and I think it changes for every story. I know right now I did a good handful of revisions before I sent out to my beta readers. One of the things that I kind of look at it when I'm deciding, is this ready to go to someone else, is, is there anything more I can figure out to do? And it's kind of that diminishing returns thing we talked about a little bit on the drafting episode. Right. You don't want to put in so much effort that you're stopping getting good things out of it. And you don't want to overwork things, you know, kind of like dough. You don't want to overwork it when it's something delicate. But if you can't fix all of the problems, to be aware of the problems. And this is one of the failings that I have with my beta readers is I don't tell them ahead of time where I know the problems are. I don't know for them if that would be useful, but they're definitely problem spots that I know of that I've worked and I've looked at and I just could not fix on my own. But yeah. during the first set of revisions, it should be a get as much done as you can and know where your weaknesses are. You know, if your grammar is not amazing, I my grammar is not amazing. <laughs> so I know that grammar is going to be a weakness, but I don't stress about it because that's what a good editor is for. I agree that they can fix it. So there's two things there. You want the point for the grammar. I agree with you. I'm the same way. My grammar's horrible. My wife, I would consider her maybe my alpha reader. She's like, I can't read this. You need to fix the grammar before I even touch this. And uh, you know, but thankfully there are programs that will help maybe cleanse that a little bit. Because I wouldn't want to send a document, and this is going to go down another tangent. So I'm going to try to reel it back in here. But I don't want to send it to an editor who would then take more time to edit my story because I didn't do the grammar editing using either one of the two primary grammar tools that are out there. I'm not going to say the names because yeah. they're not our sponsor. So, um, <laughs> yes. well, on that, on that point, that's something you don't need to worry about too much because from an editor's perspective, there's a few things that you will... But it's money. That's it's, the problem. It's money, but that's, there's a few... That's the thing. <laughs> but there's a few things that an editor will stick with. Or will tolerate. And that's the thing is I've received books and stories sent to me that I've opened up and it's obvious the person has not even run a cursory office search to grammar check, like whatever program they're using, they haven't done their correction search through that at all. So in that instance, I am not going to take a whole pile of money from an author and kind of rub my hands together gleefully and say, I'm going to fix all of this. No, what I'm going to do is send it back to you and say, fix this and then send it back to me. In order for me to edit your book, to work on your book, it has to be at a certain level. And it has to be at a level of the basic mistakes need to be fixed. If I open up your document and all I see are squiggly lines and double blue outlines, it's going back to you because you haven't done anything to fix it. You haven't done what you need to do. And I'm not here to pull money out of your pockets and waste my time and your money for doing that. So I would send it back to you with a note saying, this is what you need to do to fix it. When you've done that, send it back to me because it's expensive. Oh, no, it is. And you guys have paid for editors. I wrote a book years ago before my son was born. I sent it to the editor. It was expensive just to edit that short, not even mid-grade. I think it was a picture book, maybe 2,000 words. So I'm really not looking forward to the cost of, you know, having someone professionally edit this book. I may even have to sell a kidney. Um, <laughs> but, but you brought up a point about, about when to send it. LJ, you said, when is it too much? You know, because you can do damage to your story by 
over editing, over drafting, over revising, you know, somewhere along that line, you may end up damaging it. So the story isn't what it was. How do you know that stopping point then? Is it just a feel or you just say, I'm not even do this anymore. Somebody else needs to put their eyes on it because I think that's how I would feel after doing several revisions. I would have to stop and say, okay, someone else needs to look at this because I think I've made it as good as possible, but someone else is going to catch the things that I'm blind to now because I've been staring at the damn thing for months, in my case, years. I usually hand off my book to someone else when it gets to a point of, I hate this because I am sick of it. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I have done as much as I can and I need a break. Somebody else deal with it. And I think that it's going to be different for every author. You'll find your point where it's the, I don't think I'm making it better. And you should trust your gut on that because- A good beta reader or a good dev editor, copy editor, et cetera, is going to help you through all of the problems that you can't figure out. That's not to say, though, that you should just wait and make them solve those problems. Take a break. Come back to it. If you're still kind of beating your head against a wall to try and make changes and fix things, then stop and go ahead and, you know, send it to someone else. One of those other really important tools, though, during the revising process is something that programmers use is that whole rubber ducky concept of trying to explain an issue to an inanimate object or your poor roommate, because my my roommate has to deal with this a lot and see if that helps solve those problems. But yeah, otherwise, it's it is a gut feeling that it's not going to be a one size fits all. And there is no number. We can't wave a magic wand and say, if you do this many numbers of revisions, everything is going to be perfect. It depends on your style, your level of ability, what your strengths and weaknesses are, like has already been alluded to. For myself, I will first draft a story and I do a rough, it's what I call my skeleton draft. I go through, I'm not worried about putting in details about clothing and full conversations and things, things like that. I'm putting in markers so I know where to go back and fix things. And I'm drafting the story down. Then I go back and I read it. And I see what it looks like and I see if that part makes sense. And I kind of see if I need to move anything at that point. And then I start what I consider to be my first revision, where I start adding in the fluff. I add in the details, everything that's going to tie in the reader a lot more and connect them into the characters, into the scenes, and making sure I've got the senses involved on every page and all those things that I'm doing. And I'll go run through it that way. And then I'll go back and I'll read it again and see if that's making sense. And then I'll start doing some kind of smaller revisions. Unless I need to lop more limbs and cut and change scenes, or sometimes a scene will go in a different direction than you thought it was going to, and you need to heal it back, or you need to change what's happening. So I'll kind of do a write, a read, a write, a read, and see how it's going along that way. And then I will do some editing as well as I'm going through. And then I try to get it ready to be presented to a professional or to my beta readers to take a look at that. So for myself, it depends on the length of the story how well I was feeling while I was writing it. But the thing with this is that it's going to be different for everybody. And we are going to talk about when to finish your revisions. A little bit more on point than what LJ was just saying with it just being a feeling. Because it is a feeling, but there are some details that go along with that. But we are going to talk a little bit more about how to prep your manuscript for professionals to read after the break. And we'll be right back.
Welcome back to part two of our scribe's journey. So what are the final steps that you would say, LJ, that you do to get your manuscript ready? You said you have kind of a sense of, I'm done with this. I don't know what to do with it anymore. I kind of hate looking at what I'm looking at. I need someone else to lay eyes on it. How do you know that it's not just a bad day of writing and revising and it's actually, okay, I'm done and I'm ready to push this on to someone else now? So I do make sure that it's never just a one day feeling. It's not just that I need a break. It's that I do need to actually get somebody else's eyes on this. Part of that for me too is I separate my drafting and my editing. So when I'm writing, I very infrequently go back and, and fix things unless it's like a little thing like a spelling typo. So when it's the revising stage, that's when I do go through, make sure that I clean up everything so that those editing changes that need to be made are made, that there's no squiggly lines anywhere for my editor to have to deal with, except for the random made up names and places and whatnot. It's about making sure that my beta readers are not going to be distracted by problems that they shouldn't be distracted by. For example, I don't want them thinking about, wait a minute, did this character's name change? You know, those kinds of questions. So making sure that, you know, all of your chapters are basically formatted the same. So it's easy for your beta readers to read. Getting back to the book of the month from last month, talking about how, you know, if you have a paragraph that takes up your entire page, that's just a block of text that's not enjoyable to read. So don't leave things like that there. As the writer, you do need to consider how things look on the page. So you need to play around and make sure that everything is as presentable as you want it to be to the professionals you're sending to. And then don't take things personally. Let your anxiety go. And I know that's so much harder said than done, but you have to separate yourself from your manuscript, which is one of the reasons why I like being able to say, I hate this thing, butcher it to my beta readers because it helps make that emotional distance. We're both, you know, me and my beta readers then are coming at this thing to attack it, destroy it, make it into something cool. Instead of me approaching it with the, please be gentle, it's my baby. Nah, hack limbs off. Let's do this. We'll reattach them and make everything work later. So that's my method. And that's exactly it. The thing is, the story is living inside your head and it's making sense. And the ideas that you've got and the linking that you've got for, especially if you've got mystery or suspense built in, not everyone's brain is going to work like yours. So something that is a really cool idea and works really well for you may not work for an average reader. And that's something that you need to be prepared for. So because a reader comes back and says, uh, this doesn't work, doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean you're bad. It means that for the average reader, because that's what this is being sent out for, there's issues and it needs to be fixed. There's a guy I know that works at a bookstore, owns a bookstore, and he doesn't have a filter. So one day I was in and we we're talking about editing and revising. And I said, you know, sometimes you have to take your baby and throw it out with bathwater because I had to get rid of a really heavy scene and I was kind of feeling really rough about it. And he, at the top of his lungs, says, and then sometimes you have to take the baby, chop it up, and put it into a blender, and then see what comes out. Which made complete sense in this context of our conversation. However, there is a woman wearing a baby on her chest, standing behind him, who had just <laughs> yeah, walked in on the I, conversation and had no idea what we were talking about. I think parents probably would have a problem with that, right? Anybody who has a kid, be like, 
I'm sorry. Yeah. You're about to blend the baby. <laughs> yeah. <a> smoothie <laughs> state. It's not a smoothie store. I mean, they did sell coffee, but a little shop of um, horrors. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing. So for myself, I've already discussed the kind of the overall big things, but that's what I'll do is I'll write the first draft, go back, revise, tweak, move things around to a point that I'm happy with how it looks and where it is. And I'll keep track of in my own notepad of where my problem areas are, because I don't want to tell my beta readers what my problem areas are, because I want to see if they see them as problems too. I don't want to identify the problem child ahead of time because it may not be. It may just be because I'm too close to it. But then I'll go yeah. through and do a cursory edit of things, do the grammar. I'll do my own line edits. I'll do whatever stuff I need to do. So it does look clean and it's not distracting. And at this point, one of your biggest things that you need to do, apart from keeping notes, I'll have a note of all the character changes I've made, all the big changes I've made, any names or anything like that. And then I also, as we've talked about before, use the hashtag TS for TravisScript and hashtag FCK for fact check. So before I send it off to anyone, I do the control F for or the search function in my document for hashtag TS, hashtag FCK, all my character names, all the old character names, and anything that I've got written down on a note of something that I may need to double check. And I'll go through and then I'll do a final read through to make sure. But at this point, the final read through is skimming. I've read it so many times, I've gone through it so many times, I've lived with it for so long that I am no longer able to objectively review my story. And that's the point when I've got it to a point where I don't need to edit this anymore because I know that when it comes back, there's going to be changes to be made and I'm going to have to maybe move things around again and still do a full deeper edit on it. So I don't do a full deep dive into it. I just make it legible and like LJ said, not distracting to my readers. And then I'll send it off to my beta readers, have it come back and take a look at making those changes, do final cursory edits, and then send it to my editor to have them look at it. And, and I think a lot of authors who are at the point where I am, like in the middle of, of the revision, I think they're kind of concerned about, or at least I am. And if you're an author like me and you are concerned, let us know, because I would love to hear from your point of view, how you're feeling about this as well. But I don't know when is going to be too much. And I, that's one reason why I asked the, the question in part one. It's like, when do you know? Because I'm worrying about it. I'm worrying about, like I said, doing that damage to it. I'm worried about going too far. I, I do think that probably, like both of you mentioned, you know, there is going to be a point in time where I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, go to hell, manuscript. It's time for you to either go off to the to the fire pit. But yeah, like I don't, I don't know where where that point is. And I think what advice do you think you would give? And maybe we've already covered it, but what advice do you think you would give authors that are feeling a similar way? When is too much? When should I put it down and just hand it off to whoever else is next in the line? One of the tools that I use to prevent that worry of, oh my God, I've broken it, is keeping backups so that any changes that I make are not permanent. So I have like my current, um, the sequel to my book is with my beta readers right now, but I have all the way back to my very first draft saved and every draft in between, every revision in between, so that if my beta readers come back and say, hey, what if you did this instead? And I go, oh, well, I had written that. I thought it was terrible, but oh, crap, it's actually really good. Oh, okay. I can go back and grab 
that little piece and put it back in and then revise to make sure that it still fits with the story. If you never permanently delete things, then you never really have to worry about terribly busting things so that you have to throw it all out and restart. Because there's nothing more demoralizing than that, right? When you lose a chapter or something from like a computer error, you know, God forbid when those happen and you lose everything you've been working on for a day, it makes it so hard to rewrite that section because it's like, well, I already did it. And anything I write now is just going to suck. So if you do autosave, backups, all of those things that can really help make you feel a lot more confident in making those revisions and playing around with it because you know that, oh, crap, I didn't need to cut that. I can put it back in. Not the end of the world. So what you're telling me is that you are a manuscript hoarder. Yes. yes. And you need nice. to be. You need to be. Yes. And to that end. I hoard everything i i just you know i i am a dragon in that regard i just would like to have a lovely pile of pieces of books to you know sleep on it's fine that's pieces just what of I want. books that's oh that's horrible why would why pieces of books it okay. should be pieces of manuscripts books. because then you then you sound like you rip the books up and you just yeah. mean oh, don't, God, don't no. rip up books don't rip up no books. don't rip up books oh. um, don't do that. that's but, just gonna oh, oh no yeah. don't do that that's why that book art stuff drives me nuts. Like, look, I folded this one. I don't. Anyways. No. Um, but, to, but to LJ, LJ made a couple of really good points. Keeping revisions is a good thing. That's what I was going to say is always keep backups. So when I'm using plotter to outline, I will actually have in my notes section, I've got an obsolete category. I don't delete anything. So if I've taken a scene out, I'll put in note card revision two under obsolete. And it'll say this is what's been pulled out of revision two note card revision three this is what was pulled out so i don't have to try to remember like lj said oh what was that scene in what revision was that in when did i take that out someone says this was a really cool scene i can go into my outline i can go into my notes and see really quickly what was pulled out of each revision and what was changed so it's kind of like a log file of what's been done an updated log file of what's been done and then i can go back and really quickly put that back in because the other thing too is you can have an idea. Like if you're writing the three little pigs and you decide that what if we add in more animals and I want to include an elephant, then you think, well, that's a silly idea. I'm not going to include an elephant. Instead of deleting the idea of an elephant, you put that in your obsolete file. And then you have a brainwave one day in the shower and you're like, I am going to include a dream sequence where the wolf is trying to figure out how to knock down the brick house. And he dreams that he's riding on the back of an elephant and he smashes through the brick wall and he attacks the pig in that manner. Now that idea gets pulled out of the obsolete file and put back into in practice or concepts or whatever, and you're using it. Don't delete anything, don't erase anything, and you've got that set. When it comes to myself for when do I know enough is enough, it's when I'm fiddling. If I'm looking at it and the story actually says to me, this doesn't make sense, this is going to be better if this is moved over here, or why don't you try moving this and see how it works. And I'm actually making big changes to alter the story that are going to make sense, that are working for it. Then that makes sense to me and I consider myself revising. When I get to the point where I'm like, well, what if I change what this character is doing and I have them try this instead, even though it's at a character and I'm just starting to fiddle around with ideas and toy with things, I'm done. I'm hitting the point of breaking it when I'm not moving things that actually are calling out that need to be moved and are showing that they need to be moved to me and I'm just playing with it. That's my time to walk away. I guess it's a fine line and everybody will find their right line to do it 
and I need to make sure that I do this myself as I say this, make sure you don't do the fiddling like, you know, you said. I'll eventually hopefully discover it soon. The only last point, sometimes it's okay to take a break and go work on something else and come back to it if you need to. Yeah. You know, if you've, you know, there's a problem and you just can't fix it, but you really don't think it's ready for a professional to look at, you can take a break, work on something else, kind of palate cleanse, you know, write some short stories, come back to it and try again. And that's okay. You can give yourself permission to take breaks and to figure out what works best for you, what style, because it might not be that my style works, it might not be that Travis's style works for you, but it might be that you can find your own path. One thing I will unequivocally say is, no, you are not good enough to first draft a story and publish it. You have to revise, you have to edit, you have to redraft, you have to look at it. Even if you're a planter, a pantser, or a, an outliner, like a plotter, you still need to go back and see because the story doesn't come out and flow perfectly. There's always bumps and trip ups and things like that. And things change. Your mind changes. You're feeling better on some days than others when you're writing. Words are flowing better than other days. You've got different stress levels. And all of that needs to get metered out and ironed out in your revisions as you go through. I feel like you were just like talking to a puppy with a newspaper. Not that you should ever hit your dogs, but you know, that's what I feel like. No. What? No, it's the spray that, bottle. That it's the spray bottle. bottle. There you go. No. no writer. No. Sorry. Uh but that and that but that is something because I have had multiple people come to me and say, Can you take a look at this? And I've looked at it and like, well, have you edited it? No, I just wrote it and I sent it. It's ready to be I just want your thoughts on it before I send it to be published or submit it to this contest. Rewrite it is my thought. Finish it. Yes. Fix it. Sometimes that needs to be done. And sometimes that even needs to be done to me. But everything has its time. And sometimes an idea comes out of order. So as we said, we are on different points in our journey of our Scribe's journey as we're going through, as I'm sure all of you listening are as well. If you have any questions, comments, agree with anything we're saying or disagree with anything we're saying, let us know in the comments of the podcast. Now here is Ted to discuss what we'll be discussing on our next podcast. So... I'm really excited for the next episode because, again, this is not a phase that I've actually run into yet. The next episode is all about finding beta readers and sensitivity readers and how to utilize them. I'm going to have a ton of questions, so get ready. So your writer's prep for the next episode is to brainstorm what you think you're looking for in a beta reader as far as what feedback you're looking for, and what you want them to do with your manuscript. It's always good to create a list of questions to guide your beta readers. So let us know what those are. And with that, be sure to follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Scribes Journey, all one word. Be sure to give us a follow. And with that, from all of three of us, thank you for joining us in this episode. Now, go sharpen your quill and get back to writing. <laughs>